Welcome to Richmond Kickers Weekly. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who always plays out of pressure. Always. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I always do unless I don't. <laughs> do you do it because Coach David Bulow says that you should? Uh, if I did it the way I'm assuming Coach Bulow asks, I would not be allowed to play anymore. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Maybe he could bring you in as an example of, here's how not to do it, guys. Yes, yes. I would be the cautionary tale <laughs> with a big red X through it. And then there'd be somebody else, probably you, with a big green check mark. <laughs> I'd be smart enough to just be doing the podcast about Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are here to talk about the Richmond Kickers home 2-0 win over FC Tucson mm-hmm. in USL League One. This happened this past Saturday. A 2-0 win that I was confident was a 1-0 win. Yeah, you did it. So we weren't there live. We no. couldn't be there live this week. It's the first game I've missed, actually. The first home game I've missed. Maybe the same for you too? Uh, second one for me. Second I had the one, one where you? I was out of town for a funeral. This time I was at my wife's graduation. There you go. So you got good excuses. I um, think so. We didn't get wet. A lot of people got wet watching mm-hmm. this game. So salute to them. Um, but yeah, because the kickers scored a relatively late uh, winner, the 83rd mm-hmm. minute from Joe Gallardo, you somehow missed the 96th minute from Wafe. Well, it's because uh, some, I think two different people texted me because it is such an exciting goal that they're like, oh my gosh, a Gallardo with the winner in the yeah, yeah. 83rd or whatever it was. Uh, and that is, te- it's one of those where it's technically correct because if it's the goal that puts them ahead, then yeah. it is the winner. Uh, and so I'm just like, oh yeah, they won. It was the game winner. So 1-0. they might have won 10-0 and you wouldn't have known. Exactly. <laughs> I'm making it sound less professional than we are. We did go back and watch this. And uh, you, yes. you have seen and analyzed Muape's 96-minute goal. This is true. Well, before we get into the goals. Um, and I had one, a, a, a resident former pro analyze it with me as well. Is that right? Worth, yes. Can we talk about who that is? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> they shall remain a mystery. Excellent. Um, so before we get into the goals, we got some mm. analysis of the goals, which I think are both very interesting and enjoyable mm-hmm. in their own ways. Um, I want to just get into just random observations from sure. this game my first one is I like that we're starting to be able to essentially predict the kicker's lineup and shape yep. right it's 4-4-2 when defending 4-3-3 when attacking and you kind of know at this point that is going to be on the right Dennis Chan on the left yep. uh Daniel Jackson is going to start up front. You know Joe Gallardo is going to be the attacking midfielder. You know his partner is going to be Maxi Rodriguez mm-hmm. deep and Josh Hughes in between. Yep. Right? We kind of we we know the kickers team now. Which we do. going back only what a month or so, we were confused about who these players were mm-hmm. and how they were all going to line up. Yeah, I mean, which is part of that is that it's a new team with a lot of players coming in, sort of relatively late into preseason, even at the start of the season. So yeah. that's a part of it. But it's also then Coach David Bulo figuring things out and figuring yeah. out who fits where. Players uh, coming back from injury too, right? Yeah, or yeah. not returning, as is the case with Amas. Still uh-huh. out, I think, for it seems like maybe for the whole season. I, I forgot forgotten about that. that we saw him in the first game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a long term injury. So I'm with you. I would say the other thing to add there is, like, uh, as you said, Maxi Rodriguez starting usually with Hughes, but Maxi Rodriguez dropping in. So you're right, it's a 4 3 3, but then at times it's that weird, like, oh, there are three center backs. Oh, no, one of those is the yeah. holding I mean, it's designed to confuse the opposition and sometimes the viewers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, <laughs> it, and it does work. Yes. Uh, I would also say, though, that, like, I think this is probably the. I, I'm surprised I'm saying this, but I think it's true. This is probably the clo- most closely I've watched a team from like week to week. Like I watch Manchester Even United. Even including Man United? Yeah, I think so. But what I mean is like because I'm not really watching them because we don't always talk about them. We don't always spend time talking about I'm them. We're certainly yeah. not doing a Man United-specific show. Yeah. So I don't think I watch them with the level of— I have of, pitched at you several times, but you're not going for it. Uh, unless you just want to hear me like weep into a microphone <laughs> and then scream into a yeah, microphone. Yeah, this would have been a bad year for it. Yeah, right? exactly. It's just be an experimental podcast. Taylor, your <laughs> thoughts, and then I weep for 45 minutes straight. Um, but because I'm watching them like each week with an eye towards the tactics, and because we've been able to talk to David Bulow a little bit, yeah. uh, yes, I uh, haven't talked to David Bulow about Manchester United. I think it helps us 
see things that weren't there the week before. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I'm really enjoying. And Are you I, saying they weren't there at all or we didn't see them the week before? I think probably a combination. Okay. Uh, for example, um, one thing I noticed more so this week was, as I said, Maxi Rodriguez drops in between the two center backs and we've seen them spread wide. That's nothing new. Yeah. But this week what I saw was uh, it, you kept seeing them sort of get forward with more regularity than I think we've yes. seen in the past. I'd say more risks taken by the center backs just in terms of attacking play. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. And so you have like uh, in the 45, First plus one or forty fifth plus one minute. Yeah, like Aque gets the ball out on the right and he kind of drives forward with it. He's not. He's looking for passes. He's not trying to force anything. Which to me again says he's been told kind of move the ball forward. Yeah, get more numbers into the attack if we can. Nothing's on. He plays it back to Rodriguez. Rodriguez plays it wide to Keita. Keita then goes on a run and ends up. I think uh, I can't remember if there's a one two sequence or if he just dribbles in, but eventually gets fouled. It's a free kick near the top yeah. of the box. Nothing comes of it. But it's still center backs now starting to get involved in the attack. And one thing we were critical of last week was yes, I was about lack, to this. lack of attackers in that final third, lack and of we, bodies in the final third. And we talked about maybe just too much going through Maxi mm-hmm. Rodriguez and everyone deferring yep. to him and giving him the ball. Um, there's a moment in, I think it's the 17th, where you see Maxi, Maxi yeah. Rodriguez, bet- again, between the centre-backs, mm-hmm. he's got the ball. He essentially does a 360 of turns with the outside of his foot to uh, to throw off a Tucson attacker. But instead of it being all on Maxi Rodriguez, then he gives it to Aquai and Aquai strides forward. Mm-hmm. And I think he then sort of breaks the lines with a pass. So um, we're still using Rodriguez, mm-hmm. the kickers are still using Rodriguez, but they're then also using the centre-backs as attacking weapons. I'd also say because FC Tucson were not coming at the kickers in terms of a press, they really were standing off and watching them a lot of the time, maybe mm-hmm. just trying to hold position and make things hard. It makes sense to get centre-backs forward, get more numbers forward, yeah. try and overload them a bit more. But I think yeah? to, to the sequence that you're talking about as a specific example, Tucson did that, but then they also committed the fatal error of, but then occasionally kind of sending people to mark yeah. other players. And but so, not everybody, right? It was like yeah. a, it was a bit sort of a, a, a drip of a few players, and then you just open up space by yeah, doing that, because, right? I say all or nothing. It, yeah, because either you've got to fully commit and put them under pressure, because even in this sequence, they sort of put Maxi Rodriguez under pressure because they think they've got him, but as you said, he kind of does that turn and now he's taken out that entire pressure and now yeah. he can play it wide and then I think there's a little bit of paying attention to like oh we'll go mark the fullback and Aquai won't have anything to do but because uh, Mwape has come central it's opened up space and then basically Mwape makes a run and Aquai has that line splitting ball on yeah. and now they can kind of carve open oh yeah Mwape ends up down the wing with all kinds of space sure right does. in the 17th yep. minute but the thing I just want to note is Abubakar Keita getting his first start at mm-hmm. centre back we've seen him come in at left back we've seen him start at left back this is his natural position yep. right uh, so he gets a whole game at centre back I was Mostly impressed with what I saw. A little bit, um, little bit of aggression that maybe went a bit too mm-hmm. far. He got a yellow card, for example, for coming and tackling at midfield. I also thought maybe he was a little hard done by by the referee um, a couple times. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, that's part of uh, being an experienced pro is you manage to make those tackles not look as bad as they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, then you could also swing it around and say he is still a teenager. And maybe yes. he's like trying to, you know, going against grown adults. I mean, he's 19, so I guess he is an adult. But yeah, you yeah. get what I'm getting at. Maybe you're being a little overly aggressive to just make sure that they're like, hey, I'm yeah. a kid. I'm you saying it's all part right? of being a kid and, uh, and, yeah. and earning your sort of uh, earning your pro spurs. I like you know that. What I mean? yeah. And again, I'm, I'm guessing this is um, Bubakaita's last game for the kickers before heading to the U20 World Cup because it starts mm. next week. Right? I agree with that. I'm making Unless a face he plays at- tonight in the US Open Cup? Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, I'm making this face at you, the squinted eyes, because did you just say you get your pro spurs? Yes. Is that, like, is that what happens when you go professional cowboy? Yeah. Pro spurs? They put spurs on the back of your boot. I'm get- is that a saying in England? Or have you <laughs> just made that not. up? I okay. made it up completely. Okay. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you no one thought I'd let it go and I definitely <laughs> wasn't going to. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, okay. before we get to the goals. Um, you, I, this is fitting, right? Because the goals came late. Yeah. So they should come late in the podcast as well. I believe it was Not only, the 83rd minute. I'm pretty but, sure there's only one goal. 
Uh, we've there were two goals, Tyler. Um, I do enjoy that for the, I think, the second game in as many games, uh, David Bilo got to get some juggling in. Uh, I did I yeah, didn't see this. 72nd minute uh, and 25 seconds, so I guess 73rd minute. Uh, ball I'm going to go bounds, back and watch this. And I think he takes it out of the air, keeps it alive. And then my favorite part is he, to give it back to the player, like he really does. He takes it out of the air, he juggles it a couple times, but to give it to the Tucson player, he kicks it a good 25 yards up in the air, but it lands right in the player's hands. So credit to him. So he's technically on target, but you've killed a few seconds. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so I was like, all right. But I feel like we've seen him juggle on a number of occasions this season. Is there a chance David Bulo went into coaching just so he could be on the sideline and get the occasional still few touches uh, yeah, in a pro game? 100%. Yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. All the work he's done on tactics and coaching and stuff, yeah. it's all just an excuse to still be close to the I action. Mean, everything we know about him, to me, indicates that that's like he has to do that. Otherwise, there's a chance he might like put himself into the game <laughs> in like the 85th minute just to try to get that goal. <laughs> Speaking of that goal, mm-hmm. let's get to the 83rd minute. It, mm-hmm. it did have the feeling that maybe the kickers were going to be easily the better team, but didn't quite manage to um, to, to break Tucson mm-hmm. down. I noticed in the build-up to this goal in the 10 minutes or so before, kickers had got a bit more direct, like maybe just a few more crosses were going in, for example, and then getting cleared. Um, and then it's Joe Gallardo who makes the great decision with, what, back to goal, mm-hmm. what, 40, 50 yards from yep. goal? The normal thing is just just pass it backwards to someone, keep the keep the rotation, especially with this kicker's team, this possession-heavy team. The normal thing would be to pass it backwards, keep the possession going. Instead, he takes, what, three touches, turns 180, and just goes, just goes at FC Tucson and shoots from the top of the box. Yep. One nil Richmond kickers. But it, yeah, it, and it's worth emphasizing that 40 to 50 yards from goal, as you said, is he has like a Tucson player on his left, Tucson player like slightly, I think, on his left behind him, and mm-hmm. then one on his right. And he just does that quick like outside, outside, outside of the foot turn, yeah. and he completely cuts all of them out, and none of them saw it coming. I think one of them maybe falls over, uh, <laughs> or at least uh, takes a minute to get back. But then I think it's also the awareness of Joe Gallardo to once he does that, recognize, oh, there's this huge gap of space. He dribbles into it. Drive at it, right? If you see the space, yeah. drive at it. But yeah. then I think also recognizes, okay, he's like he's driven at it, and this is the important thing, like to have a number 10 who is good on the ball in these tight moments because I think he drives forward. But if he takes a heavy touch, maybe he baits out the defenders a little bit more than he wants to because he's able to drive forward at pressure but keep the ball close. I think defenders stay back a little bit. I think they wait for him to get close to them, and I think that's what opens up that space for him to shoot because it's still a shot from, what, 25 out? the box easily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think it, it's still telling to me that he's able to drive and drive and drive and then get that shot off and yeah. only gets pressure late and I think it's from behind. Yeah, it's like one player. of the guys he had left behind exactly. who then caught him up. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the Tucson player. Um, he forgives you. I'll do <laughs> it for him. Uh, so I think that like that to me I'm going to is... guess Somersault. How about that? That's, re- that's perfect. You know as much as the commentator. Uh, and so uh, I think it's, it's, it's a goal in which you could easily say it's like you need a player like this who in those moments when it doesn't seem like the goal is going to happen, it's a moment of magic. They put in that effort. It's technically brilliant. That's what Gerard is it's becoming, a great right? goal. Exactly. Is but he I, becoming a name you just you go to City Stadium to watch him? 100%. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he has been. But yes, he, yeah. he also is becoming that even more. But I would also say it is a credit to the kickers that, again, we see signs of what they're trying to do because I guess like maybe 30 seconds before this the kickers have a throw deep in Tucson territory it ends up being a cross that gets headed clear and I think four games ago maybe the kickers are all trying to get back into position and make sure they know where they're supposed to be and they're not as focused on putting Tucson under immediate pressure yeah there's a bit of counter pressing here right and here yeah you had bodies flying in you had Hughes close like 15 yards mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's right I'm not saying his first name uh, Josh Hughes uh, <laughs> he closes like 15 yards you have I think uh, Bull Dukes in Bull there Dukes as well. over yeah, there and, and it just you never let Tucson get comfortable they uh-huh. don't have the time to really 
get this ball like fully clear. Yeah, and I think it's Akwai gets the eventual sort of uh, poke tackle mm-hmm. in to actually pop the ball loose, but it's almost like a, a jar that Balduke and Hughes loosened. Yeah. <laughs> but Akwai steps up and actually takes the lid off, yep. and then Joe Gallardo gets to eat the pickles. Yeah, yeah perfect. Exactly. <laughs> but so I think it's like, it's a moment of magic from Joe Gallardo. It's a brilliant individual goal. Yeah. But it also comes about they are able to reestablish possession because they pressure high up the field and get yeah. bodies up there and really commit to it. And I think that's what you have to do. There you go. 1-0 Richmond Kickers. Mm-hmm. And there was a second goal in the 96th minute it's scored by Moape mm-hmm. um, I want to start with the finish and maybe yep. work backwards sure he nutmegs the defender mm-hmm. with his left footed shot as he cuts can I answer side. the question you're about to ask me um, let no. me ask it first <laughs> did he mean that nutmeg and no no uh-uh. why do you say no uh, I, this is where I showed it to our, our, our resident former pro who's not actually resident but you know whatever uh-huh. uh, and he I was like is this like a thing where do you think he like pulled the defender in was he looking for these like no He's just, Did he see the legs open up? He, uh, he, uh, the answer was, no, he's just that close to goal, and I think he recognizes that if you can put it on frame, it's probably going to be difficult. Uh, <laughs> I, I, he didn't say this. I think that basically uh, Moape gets that ball, but I think he wants to smash it with his left foot. His first touch doesn't really set him up for that, so he has to take another. And then I think he recognizes the defender's closing. I'm just going to hit this as hard as I can. And it ends up going through the defender's legs into the back of the net. Moape continues to confuse me. Mm-hmm. I thought of him as this like super left-footed player and that, yep. that might be a problem. Then we've seen him have assists and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff with his right foot. A goal, I think, as well um, in, in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. This time he comes inside from the right and yep. uses his left in a way that you think might be getting him into trouble. Mm-hmm. And somehow he ends up not making the player and getting yeah. away with it. I mean, and that's Maybe it's matters. better to be lucky than to be good. Uh, yeah, I, I've, heard that, <laughs> I've heard that said. Uh, but yeah, look, you want to trace this one back a little bit? I do. So Balduke gets the assist, mm-hmm. which is uh, great for Balduke, who I think had come off the bench. Yeah, there was a bit of a, a change where Jackson came out for Balduke about the 75th. Um, Chin went up front, Balduke uh, was Chen, there. I believe you mean. Chen, as it was on the screen. They misspelled his name on the screen. Yeah, yeah. look into that. Please, USL Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, Balduke on the left. But the real substitute that makes this goal is Justin Grove. This is just name bias. Okay, so I want to Of I course it's not this. name bias. It's not just name bias, just because we, no. we have the same last name. Because you're when, an adult and not a six-year-old, Daryl. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, so we saw Justin Grove in the Open Cup, yeah. right, against Virginia United, mm-hmm. and... I don't think he had a huge impact on the game. Uh, he replaced Gallardo essentially as the uh, creative midfielder. Mm-hmm. But you could see that this guy had a lot about him. Lots yep. of nice little touches, a lot of creativity. And I don't know, something bright about him, right? Someone mm-hmm. like someone with ideas. So he subs into this game. You can watch this. If you go to the 96 minute, you can watch this happen. You literally watch him sub in, takes up a position on the left, receives a long throw down the left from, I'm going to guess it's Scott Thompson, uh, throwing it from left back. Mm-hmm. And Justin Grove simultaneously receives the ball, rolls a guy, turns, mm-hmm. then cuts back as another guy tries to get him. Then he sort of baits a couple of people in by drawing people in, um, holds up the ball a bit, then lifts the ball down the line over the head of a defender and Balduk into the path of Balduk mm-hmm. so that Balduk can get away. This was an incredible moment from Justin Grove. Incredible is a strong word. Okay. But yes, it was a very good moment. I'll give you that much. Because I think it was it, – it would be incredible to me if like – Hard, hard comparison here, but like if we saw Leo Messi do this, it, yeah. I feel like we could see the points where he's like, okay, he knows what he's doing here. He's making this decision here. I do feel like there's a little bit of on-the-fly improvisation from Grove. What's wrong with improv? In that, well, I guess it's just that it's sort of like, oh, I've done this. Oh, I got to try that. I got to try yeah. that. And he plays his way out, which is like, like technically what you want there, that he's yeah, able yeah. to do it. I just say it's not quite incredible to me because it felt a little bit like, oh, I'm, I'm turning now. Oh, there's a guy there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll play down the line. And okay. then it works out. So it's okay. well done. It's all well executed. Will you grant me this? It's an incredible for your first few touches. Yes, I'll to give you that. So Especially because it looked to me like you're entering the 96th minute when you're 1-0 up. Mm-hmm. I've seen Wolves do this, put mm-hmm. guys in in the final few seconds just to like 
just to get them on the field so they have an appearance. Yeah. So really the expectation was he just gets to run on the field and the whistle goes. Yeah. But instead he gets to do that and make an impact. I think that's a pretty high bar to clear for only having like 30 seconds on the field. See, I, I totally agree with that. I think what, we're, what I'm realizing is that this is an Elaine Bennis breathtaking moment. Like I, I just – describing anything as incredible is like, – it's, it's, it's a high bar for me. It's a high All bar. Right. It's just the word more than anything. All right. But I would say it was breathtaking. We're both <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, for Tucson defenders, it was. Uh, well, true. <laughs> um, okay, so 2-0 mm-hmm. Richmond kickers. By the time you hear this, they may have also played another game. Yeah. Uh, they're down to North Carolina. In the, they're going down to North Carolina in the U.S. Open mm-hmm. Cup. I mean that in a travel way, yep. not in a scoreline kind of way. Um, we'll have a review of that game after it's happened. North, secret agent North Carolina over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the USL things I want yep. to talk about is the uh, the proposal for the concussion mm-hmm. substitution. Uh, I don't know if people saw this this week. We'll put a link in the show notes. There's a good ESPN story. USL, um, which encompasses Championship and League One and I think the League Two as well, they've put a proposal to IFAB, who are like, in charge of the rules. For, in 2020, they want to have a concussion substitute mm-hmm. in USL and essentially be the trial league that sees if this works. Right. I'm very aware that I've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to throw it to you to describe what the concussion substitute is. Sure. I mean, uh, from what their You bring proposal... in a concussed player as a sober. Perfect. <laughs> uh, from what their proposal would indicate, it's that if you suspect there's a concussion situation, there's a possibility of a concussion. Uh, right now, obviously, the player has to come off. They have to go through the concussion protocol. Uh, theoretically, they're supposed to, but as recent uh, games have indicated, they don't always do that. Yeah. So this idea would be that basically if you take a player off to do the concussion protocol, you can temporarily put a player on in their place yes. so you're not necessarily being penalized for actually doing what you're supposed to do there you to go. make sure that player can or cannot continue. Uh, they're looking at making it around a 7 to 10 minute window. That wasn't part of the proposal but that's what they're looking at. Yeah, so they deliberately left mm-hmm. it um, with no minute in it. Yeah. I saw a Jake Edwards quote where he said I'm guessing around 10 minutes would be good. And Jake I, Edwards being the president of USL. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think he said 15 to 20 would be too long, which yeah. I think I agree with, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever they come up with, I think this is, this is a good idea. Yeah, and so then uh, if if the player is fit to continue, then I think they just swap back out. Things continue as they were. Yeah. If the player cannot, then I think that does then count against your substitutes. It does. Uh, because the issue is that if you uh, have used all of your substitutes, then basically if this injury happens, you can swap the player out. But if the player cannot continue because they did get a concussion, then you basically have to play down yep. man as you would normally. So it's not a shortcut to, for mm-hmm. substitutes, which I think is maybe designed to just stop teams using it as uh, a sort of sneaky advantage. I think it also might be um, – this is just like me speculating. Oh, yeah, we're in the speculation part of the podcast. I now. also wonder if there's a chance that they think it's more likely to get greenlit if you're not actually proposing a fourth substitute in yes. regulation time. Because then you're pushing be, the envelope too far. Maybe. I think so. It might just be like, oh, no, we just want this one little window. That's easier to grab, yeah. I think, and uh, keep an eye on. I mean, I like this from a USL perspective as well, USL being the league that gets credited with trialing hopefully successfully trialing this I like it a lot more than say in the past when they allowed six substitutes mm-hmm. in the USL I was not so fond of that nope. um, I do know USL was also like one of the trial leagues for uh, VAR mm-hmm. back in the day as well right so it's, it's interesting that USL gets to be um, the testing ground for some some positive changes to soccer. I'm good with that. I yeah. like that as well. I feel like they may have been also one of the uh, the testing grounds for a third card. I think it was like a, ser- a third like, card, like Serie B, and I think like this was many years ago. Oh, that- Serie B did those like green cards yeah. for um, like positive plays. Oh yeah, I think there was one where they were, they experimented with like the indoor blue card thing, where it was like it's a warning, you're not actually disciplined, but oh. like it's a lead up to a thing. Be careful. Yeah. USL didn't do that, did they? I mean, no, that might have been pre-USL in yeah, one yeah. of the other various leagues that existed prior One to of the USL. other alphabet soup leagues, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I like this. I'll put a link in the show notes if people want to read all about it. Once again, Richmond Kickers won 
2-0. Um, we'll have, as we said, a review of the US Open Cup game, whatever happens against North Carolina. Um, the next USL League One game sees the kickers May 18th away at Greenville Triumph, South Carolina. So Saturday, May 18th, away again on Wednesday to Orlando City B, and then back at City Stadium for Richmond Kickers, North Texas SC, who look like the best team in the league so far, on Saturday, June 1st. Mm-hmm. Same day as the Champions League final. Hooray! So two big games that day. Yeah, Champions League final second for me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the correct, uh, that's the correct ranking. Speaking of rankings, do you know where the kickers are in the USL League One standings? Top of the table. No, they are not. not top of the table. North Texas are top mm-hmm. with 15 points from five games. Yeah. Second is uh, Tormenta uh, with 14 points from seven games. Kickers are in third, 11 points from seven games. Mm -hmm. It's still tight. There's a lot of teams on eight and seven points, but kickers have at least got that three-point gap between everybody else. And they don't have to play Lansing anymore. (laughs) Yeah, actually, never again this season. There we go. So front-loaded, the Lansing game. Until playoffs, possibly? Yeah, I mean, I personally would love a game against Lansing as the proof that we finally, this kickers (laughs) team has finally got it all figured out and this press is no problem. Maybe an exhibition game. This should be, instead of a Premier League team in the summer, they should play Lansing again. All right, I'm good with that. (laughs) For all the marbles. Um, All right, until then, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk Richmond Kickers with me today on Richmond Kickers Weekly. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. Um, check in later to see how the US Open Cup game goes.